Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. Thanksgiving! With your host, Kurt Sandvig. Kurt Sandvik, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's debunk dumb people. But first, as always, I've got some cool people. That's right. It's shout-outs time. Shout-outs to the patrons. And you, know, I got another person, you know, speaking of dumb people, I had a person say, you know what? You know what really turns off the show for a lot of new listeners? The shout-outs at the beginning. You, you're taking too much time to shout No, fuck off. Not happening on this episode. Not happening on any episodes. The patrons are what make this show possible. It isn't me. It's the patrons. Look, if I was just doing these episodes and just kind of shouting out into the void and never getting any kind of response or love or, or encouragement or financial help to do these episodes, I, I would have stopped. I would have probably stopped at 100 not 200 plus episodes that we've been doing because of the patrons. So instead of getting angry, thank the patrons. I thank the patrons every episode. I would like to see other people thank patrons because I get it that not everybody can afford to, to give money to help out this podcast. And that's fine. I totally understand. I totally get it. Help out this podcast any way you can. Give a great review. Give a five-star review. Tell a friend or a family member. Post about it. All those things are free and can really help out any podcast, not just mine, but any podcast you listen. I'm an independent artist. Buying merch helps out independent artists. It really does. Like if you go if you go to see a show and it's a small band, if it's any band, doesn't matter even if it's a small band. If you go to see a show and the band has merch, buy something, whether it's a sticker, anything, because it shows them like, hey, what I'm doing matters. And it helps them, especially if they're out touring, because that's very expensive. How small bands do it, how small people do it, I don't get because I can't afford. I would love to take Paranormal Almanac on the road and tour for you guys, but I just can't afford to do that. So anyhow, what I'm trying to say is thank you so much. This is today's Thanksgiving in America. It's uh, 11 a.m. on Thanksgiving in America. So I want to give thanks to the patrons to the listeners, to the paramaniacs, every one of you, good, bad, smart, or dumb, I thank you for listening. You'll hear a little bit different later on in this episode about the dumb part, but for everybody else, thank you for listening. Here's a shout-out to you. A special shout-out to insert your name here. Thank you so much for just listening, just for being a paramaniac. I hope you're having a fun Thanksgiving. Despite what I'm going to say in a little bit here, just try and, like, you know, be cool with all the crazy uncles and whatnots that are at your Thanksgiving Day table. But special shout-outs to the patrons going out to Stephen, Jane Ann, Jennifer, Heather G, Shooky Shooky. Oh, Jane Ann is, uh, that's a pound, that's in pounds, that's not even American money. I love it. Hey, Jane Ann. Hey, howdy, hi. 
Heather G, Shooky Shooky, Zuzus, what's it? Paula, hey, howdy, hi. Rick, Nico Share and the Mouse. Ah, oh, such, such cool people. Such absolutely cool people. I got another letter from Nico Share that is going to be shared with you guys on an upcoming listeners episode. Par- listener paranormal episode. So if you have any paranormal stories, please, please, please email them to me or mail them to me like they did. That's fantastic. I love the mail. Um, at paranormalalmanac at gmail.com because it's up, there's an episode up coming up that's uh, going to be about paranormal listener paranormal stories, and I can't wait to share them. Uh, Andrew M., Paul, Mark, Tortuga, Hannah Boo, Mike from Jersey, Tuesday, J. Andy, Tracy, Virginia, Ginny, Tony, Jason, Vicky, Crow, Clay, Buzz, Tom, Lobito Works, Glacier, Maine, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Sandy, Kelly, Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick-Ass Magic Robot webcomic. Sandy, Paige, Kosh, Sean, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Alicia, hey, howdy, hi, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Voitech, Sherry, Artmuth, and Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Ricardo, Ian, Armor Times 10, Alexandra, George, Seth, Zozo the Demon, hold on, hi, Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, what's that, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Stacy, Jerry, Scoston, Lindsay, Megan, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Lauren Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi, happy Thanksgiving. Veronica, Autumn, J Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Darth Pikachu, Jade, Nanashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura Pitts, and Gamer Fans. I have a feeling my phone's going to keep blowing up all day with Thanksgiving messages, which is very sweet. With two special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and to Stitch. Happy Thanksgiving to both of you. All righty. Let's get right in. And I'm going to keep on moving. I'm going to move real quick. And I'm going to move right on into Paranormal News because I want to get this show on the road here. Paranormal News. The first story in Paranormal News, government employees who are UFO witnesses may soon break their silence. This one comes from WTOP News, WTOP News, coming at you from somewhere on the internet, because I don't know where it's from. Probably Maryland. I'm going to say Maryland. It says, More U.S. military and government officials with knowledge of or experience with UFOs are expected to come out of the shadows soon. That's because the annual defense authorization bill will likely include language allowing current and former government and federal employees and contractors to share what they know about UFOs or UAPs. The provision is included in the House version of the National Defense Authorization Act for the next fiscal year that was approved in July. That is cool. Allow more and more people to come out. It only will help with disclosure. Do I think that more and more people will come out? No, I think maybe one or two brave people will come out and it might encourage another one or two more people. But for the most part, I really don't see anything coming of this. I'd like something to come of this. So who knows? Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But any any help is help. That's all I care about. Little by little. All righty, up next in Paranormal News, woman claims to have concrete video evidence of a UFO. But does it add up? This is on OutKick.com. All righty. 
A lady by the name of Siobhan, who does who does have a decently large following on social media. What? I want a decently large following on social media. Um, shared a video allegedly showing a massive UFO hovering over Orlando around November 13th. Take a look at the video below and judge for yourself what you think it might be. In her mind, it's a fucking UFO. All right, I like it. Time to watch it. I finally get to watch this. I've been wanting, wanting to watch this one for a couple of days now. 19 minutes long. No, no. All right. We're not going to watch all 19 minutes. It's uh, obviously of a street. You can hear cars going by. And then there's, there are lights in the sky. I had to come on live because I want y'all to see this. I'm not tripping. That is a fucking UFO <laughs> out here in the middle of the damn sky. Everybody is riding around like they don't see this shit. Like they don't see this shit. So apparently yesterday <laughs> in Orlando or in Central Florida, you can hear a loud boom from five something in the morning all the way from um, Jacksonville to Orlando. This is what they say. It came from, from Jacksonville to Orlando yesterday. There was a loud boom at 5 a.m. And they said okay. it was some kind of spaceship that landed um, that was in orbit for like 909 days. That landed all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to turn her down. What she's referring to is that, yeah, there's an unmanned NASA. I don't think it's NASA, actually. I think it's just a, the um, American government. There is an unmanned vehicle that goes up for like 900 days at a time and comes back down and causes a sonic boom. But a sonic boom doesn't last for that long. I've heard them. Back in the day when the space shuttle landed in California, I would get a sonic boom in this house, and it scared the shit out of me. I thought someone was throwing shit up on my roof. But back to her fucking UFO video. There's lights in the sky. It's definitely a cloudy, foggy sky. There's precipitation in the, in the, the sky. When that happens and you have a spotlight, it makes it look like there's a spot in the sky. It's like the bat signal, if you will. If you can picture the bat signal from Batman, you know, um, I don't know where these lights are coming from, but if there is any kind of spotlights down below, like a car dealership or whatever, it will, it'll show up like it shows up. Oh, she's moving. Let's see what she's doing now. My black ass in the house. <laughs> Although I do love her. I got to say, I do really? love her. A higher, sure, a higher. Please protect me. All right, she's driving somewhere. I'm going to turn her back down. So she's going to drive somewhere. I'm going to skip ahead. I'm now seven minutes into the video. It's the same shot. She's obviously moved to a different location, and it's only a half circle. It's not a full circle, which, again, leads me to believe there are spotlights down below. I'm going to move ahead to 9 o'clock. She's still driving. Jesus Christ, good on her. Uh, 10 minutes, 11 minutes, still driving. 12 minutes. Okay, let's go back up. Now I don't see After anything. After they done sat there all that time, now they doing this shit? What shit? I don't see anything. What the fuck is that? <laughs> All righty, let's keep skipping ahead. Oh, she's driving again. Oh, she is on to this. She's, she wants to know. Oh, okay. There we go. So I'm at 14 minutes into a 19-minute video, 20-minute video, and it's obviously there are spotlights down below. Because they're the 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 lights are now kind of like dancing around in formation. It's a spotlight. So unfortunately, it's a spotlight. Oh, there's 287 comments. Let's like let's let's read some of the comments. Um nothing. 
I agree. It's probably sky effects from Disney. Yep. It's just the moonlight behind a weird clouds. Yeah. You know what? It's a spotlight. I'm not spending any more time. I love her. I think she's fantastic, but I don't think it's a UFO. It's a definitely, un, it's definitely unidentified. I'll give her that, but you know what I mean. All righty. Up next in paranormal news, because I want to get right into this. Crashed meteor may have been a UFO, scientists say. This one comes out from um, Giant Freaking Robot or MSN.com. A Harvard professor believes a meteor that crashed in the ocean near Australia in 2014 might have actually been a UFO. Now, Professor Abby Loeb is leading a $2.2 million scientific expedition into the middle of the southwestern Pacific Ocean in order to recover the mysterious space object. Awesome. If you got the money, please do it. Nearly a decade ago, the meteor crashed into the Pacific Ocean about 160 miles off of the coast of Papua New Guinea. Yeah, um, yeah, cool. Go get it, please. I hope it is a UFO. I mean, I, I don't want any kind of, like, crashed UFO because that's sad, but sure. Please go get it. All right, I'm going to keep on moving on, though. If you guys are looking for a Christmas gift for me, there is the perfect Christmas gift out there, and that's because... Fenn's Treasure is for sale. This excites me to no end. I did an episode a while ago. I'm sure you guys heard it. If you haven't, go find it. About Fenn's Treasure and how I really wanted to be one of the people that ever that found it or at least went to search for it. I never did. And I'm kind of, I, I not kind of, I really regret not searching for Fenn's Treasure. The clues were there. I had an idea of where I would search and yet I just never went out and did it. You know, I was, I got lazy. I was like, Eh, I don't want to drive out there and go tromping through, you know, the desert to try and find it. And I wish I would have. I really do. But earlier this week, actually, I think it was last week. Yeah, earlier last week, Heritage Auctions announced that 476 items from the famed Forest Fen Treasure are up for sale. Now, I'm going to be watching this. And if something is cheap enough, and I don't know off the top of my head, what I consider cheap enough. But if something is cheap enough, I want to buy a piece of Fen's treasure and have it and have it. I was going to say and have it behind me so everybody can see it. But no, just honestly, just to just to have it. The um, the items close start closing on December 12th. Currently, I'm looking through the items right now. I can't afford any of this, sadly. They're all like $290, $270, $300, $400, $210, 412 for just one coin from like one piece of the treasure. Even the gold flakes, tiny little gold flakes are going for like $410. I mean, it is a famous treasure, so I get it. Ooh, $155. What is this? All right. There's one piece that is slightly within my budget. Not really, but slightly within my budget. $180. 125, that's even, all right, we're getting better. Um, there's a gold nugget for 150, ah, oh, man, 145. Look, this would, this would definitely, you know, I'd be eating ramen for a few weeks, but maybe, just maybe, if it stays under or around 100, $150, you know, I might be able to do it, but I think it'd be very cool to just have one piece of Fen's treasure. I think it'd be very neat. Because again, it's that I love, as you know, if you've ever listened to any of these episodes, you know I love a good treasure hunt, a good treasure story. And there's still treasure out there to be found. I mean, I did an episode not too, too long ago about 
treasure that's still out there waiting to be found. There's a piece of treasure that um, I think has been lost to time, but it is right over here by me, over by the Hollywood Bowl. Andrew Trotta and I were talking about it one day, right around the time the episode came out, and it'd be so cool to get a metal detector and just try and search for it. What's the harm in just walking around? I mean, the harm is rattlesnakes, but you know what I mean. It'd be fun to try and find it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I love a good treasure story. I love the curse of Oak Island. I love that kind of stuff because it's, I think it's in, I think it's in all of us that hunt for treasure, that want to find something that's been lost to time. I think it's cool. Alrighty. Up next in paranormal news. Hold on one second. Mysterious photo showing guardian angel watching over firemen sends internet wild from the first news. It's, it was posted a ton of places. This was just was just the uh, location that I grabbed the article from, but it was posted in a ton of places. A photograph showing what appears to be a huge angel hovering over firefighters as they tackle a house blaze has sent social media wild with speculation. The extraordinary snap of the floating winged figure seemingly looking down at firemen as they bat. All right, it doesn't calm down. It's not that. Um, it is very, very cool. Now, I will say there's a lot of smoke a lot of fire, obviously it's a fire, but um, it could be pareidolia. It very well could be pareidolia because of the way the light is and the way it's hitting the clouds or the smoke, it could make it. But it is very defined bird, angel, winged-like thing. One of the firemen at the site said, I didn't see anything. The work is dangerous and I didn't look around. Good, good on you. I was watching my friend working on the lift. I've seen strange figures and photos taken during our rescue operations before, but I don't know if this is by the way of the light works or if the wind is causing the smoke to look like that. Yeah. Another fireman said, if we have such protection from the afterlife watching over us, I feel fairly calm about safety during the operation. I like that quite a bit. Is it an angel? I don't know. Is it a cool photo? Oh, most definitely. I'll post that to the uh, Paranormal Almanac fan page. And up next, this one comes straight out of YouTube. That's right. Some of the paranormal news comes straight from YouTube. And I guarantee I'm going to have to turn... Oh, it is turned down. Good. A massive Idaho Bigfoot on video. Incredible, muscular, giant-sized Sasquatch on camera. Uh, This one... Oh, this is... Actually, it's old. Why was this just sent to me? I apologize. This is actually fairly old. But I'm going to still throw it in here anyway. I want to see what it is. If it plays. Why? What is happening? All of a sudden, nothing is working. Uh-oh. Did I lose internet? That could suck. Well, just to be on the safe side, I'm going to see if I get... Oh, no, I still have internet. Oh, there we go. Oh, you know what? I take it back. I've actually talked about this one before. I've seen this video, and I've talked about it on Paranormal News, so we're skipping that. We're going right to the end of Paranormal News to Medieval Graffiti to Ward Off Evil Spirits has been found. Medieval graffiti associated with warding off evil spirits has been discovered by archaeologists. A series of lines radiating from a drilled hole were, un- were unearthed on two stones at the remains of a church in uh, in the UK. It's called Witch's Marks, and they're very cool. There's not much else to it. I mean, I could describe them to you, but, you know, it it's fine. It's Witch's Marks. They were found. I love it when they find Witch's Marks um, when they're excavating stuff or doing archaeological digs and stuff. All righty, let's keep on. Uh, that's it for Paranormal News. Let's keep on moving on here. Uh, merch. I believe merch is on sale. tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. I think they're having a sale right now, and it should be a pretty good sale. If that's the case, I'm going to buy a couple shirts myself. All righty, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, 
We are back. All right. On this episode, I'm settling a couple of quote-unquote problems people have with me. Some think that I'm actually part of an agenda by the government or secret government or Illuminati to disperse false information. Okay, cool. I wish I was. That would be cool. Are you kidding me? The second I was hired, I would be in a bar that night telling everybody, hey, you know the Illuminati and you Beyonce and here, look, I'm throwing up a triangle right now. That's me, man. I'm part of the Illuminati. Hell yeah. Look, before I killed my Twitter, the Illuminati messaged me on Twitter twice. That's awesome. Obviously, I don't take it seriously, but that's awesome. If the government is paying me to disperse false information, well, they are over 200 episodes behind in my pay. So come on, government. It's time to buy me a house because I'm talking about Bigfoot here. Look, I am not dispersing false information. I am not part of some secret agenda. And I know that the first thing that someone who is part of a secret agenda would do is say, I am not part of a secret agenda. But you know what? If you if you know me, if you know my life, I'm definitely not part of some secret agenda. I'm I'm way too boring for that and way too poor for that. I would think that secret agenda people, you know, they do like secret meetings in in you know, they'll they'll like walk into a building that's like so like it looks like kind of run down and then you walk in like men in black kind of shit is what I'm saying. You know, you walk in and all of a sudden it's like cool and high tech or it's old and woody, like everything's covered in wood and it's like people are smoking cigars and wearing fedoras and all look like men in black. You know, I wish I was part of that. My life is far less exciting. It's it's far more boring than that. But recently I seem to be uh Poking the bear of the QAnut variety, if you will, because, well, uh, you know what? Here, let me first, let me read you this comment that I got from Facebook from a Treb Namcaj. Wait a second. That's Brett Jackman backwards. That's right. I figured out your clever nom de plure. You thought you were being all kinds of, I don't know, secret society. Well, here's what uh, Brett sent me recently. <laughs> Settle in, folks. It's about to get weird. He said, hey, man, I got to step in after hearing you co-sign that moon crap. Do you, though? Kurt here. Do you have to step in? No. The podcasts are fairly one way. I mean, I got live episodes. You want to step in? Step in on a live episode because I would love to debate this stuff live rather than do a whole episode that other people don't need to hear. But anyhow, he says, I don't know what shape the earth is. Kurt here, it's round. I don't know if it would change the way I live. I don't know. We said IDK, technically. Without giving names and throwing people I love and respect under a bus, here comes the bus. My uncle worked for one of those alphabet agencies. In July 1969, the launch up until this up until the dam splash in the ocean was very carefully recorded off of a big silver screen. Growing up, he always told me little things here and there. He has Q clearance. Kurt here, I'll get to Q clearance first in my response to this. Don't worry. Anyway, he says, ain't no way a person can get through, spelled incorrectly, the Van Allen radiation belt. You said there is proof they went? Where? Some doctored up pictures, NASA slowly regurgitating their bullshit? 
I loved this channel. I listened every chance I get. But you sit and call people stupid for not believing the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on the whole planet? Think about the tech. I cannot get good coverage for my phone in my city, but Tricky Dick can pick up the phone without any delay? Talked on the phone? This isn't even the biggest problem. Sorry this channel is about telling us about scary, I think he meant scary, paranormal stuff. I loved that. But to call out a lot of you listeners because you drank the Kool-Aid? I bet you even got vaccinated too. Kurt here. Yep, I sure did. Science and mass deaths from COVID. You know what? It seems like a good idea to get vaccinated. There is no microchip in the vaccination. They don't give a shit what you're doing. And if they do want to track you, you just said a second ago, you've got a phone in your hand. All right, back to the stupidity. Because I do not go with the grain. You have the right to tell people that they believe it in or against it. Well, that's a sentence I got to reread. Because I do not go with the grain, you have the right to tell people that they that believe it in or against it. Y you got me there. Uh, he says, you call people names you don't even know? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. You weren't there and I wasn't there. So I think it's safe to say you and I don't know shit. Well, part of that is true. Keeps going. Uh, but because you live and operate like you know what happened, just stick to ghosts, aliens. That's why I came to your channel. I did not expect you to attack a demographic of critically, critically thinking individuals. Well, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but do I get on here and tell you how stupid that is? Well, you just did. No, I'm very secure about saying I DK. Damn, man, all that shade you cast about things you don't know anything about. Hey, man, after hearing you say how stupid those people are, I and about 10 other people are boycotting this piece of crap. Aw, <laughs> Kurt here, then you won't hear this episode debunking your stupidity and also calling out your family members' Q clearance bullshit. Oh, he keeps going. If they can't go there now, with NASA coming right out and saying they can't, Kurt here. Hey, dumbass, we are going back. We just launched the biggest rocket ever, and it's working right now. We are going back. NASA knows about this. He goes on to say, right out of their CEO's mouth, they aren't going. I don't know what shape the planet is, but we are the guys in Utah that shot a rocket 54 miles above the Earth. <laughs> Our rocket is now stuck there in the sky forever and ever. But we looked at the footage, found no curvature. <laughs> Kurt here. Ah, never mind. It's not even worth it. Um, he goes on to say, I will never say what we live on because I am not so self-important that I need to put you down or call you stupid or call out the severity of your ignorance. Kurt here, except you are. Fuck off. Goes on to say, fuck man, I love... I loved, freaking loved this show so much. It really sucks to find out there is no critical thinking in the making of Paranormal Almanac. He, he finishes it by saying, Really, man, I have in my hands billion times more technology my hand than all of 1969. First of all... Wait, that's not what I meant to do. First of all... There we go. Uh-huh. Oh, don't forget about that part. Yeah. 
Bravo, sir. Bravo, Brett. Hey, it bums me out that you've boycotted this and you'll never hear this episode. So let's actually start with the last piece. That there is no critical thinking in Paranormal Almanac? Really? Then why the fuck do I debunk the massive amount of regurgitated bullshit that's out there? Do you know how easy this show would be to make if I just Googled ghost and then read from a fucking website? You know, like the bulk of Paranormal Podcasts do weekly? You know how they just are reading directly from a site? And it's not just Paranormal Podcasts. Real crime podcast, Even the most famous true crime podcast out there. They read other people's work directly from websites without verifying any of the facts or debunking anything. Fuck, I have entire episodes devoted to debunking stuff with proof of why it's bullshit. And guess what? This episode is going to be me debunking stuff with proof of why it's bullshit. And that last bit about you having a billion times more tech in your hands? Yes, you do. That's why the moon missions, and you know what? Fucking rockets and satellites in general are big fucking deals. That's the point. What they were able to do with basic skills, basic technology, and math, and 400,000 people, I'll get to that in a little bit, is why it's a big fucking deal that we managed to get people to the moon and back is huge. All right, let's go down this flat earther fever dream pile of bullshit one by one. First, these aren't even original thoughts that you put in your whole critical thinking thing. Everything that you brought up is straight regurgitated bullshit from the internet. You didn't even use any critical thinking to think your own concerns about the moon landing or flat earth. You're just regurgitating the same nonsense that's been proven false daily. And like my metaphor earlier about like, you know, Thanksgiving dinner with your family, me pointing out with facts over and over and over again, will not change this person's mind at all. And I know this deep down inside. This is out there just for it to be out there. So if anybody's starting to slide down that QAnon slide of bullshit, they can listen to this and go, oh, wait a minute. There is actual proof. There is actual facts. There is actual science that backs it up. Because despite the fact that I do a paranormal podcast, I have said from the beginning, I think science will prove the paranormal, ghosts, that kind of stuff. I think science will prove UFOs and aliens. And guess what? That's happening right now. Daily, that is happening. I think there's a lot of stuff that we don't understand about the paranormal. Not about the moon landing and not about if the earth is round or not, but about the paranormal. That's why I started it and that's why I like doing Paranormal Almanac. Because you can have differing opinions and go, there's a lot of people. Hey, you know, when I was talking with Tim Bentley on the 200th episode, 
in his phenomenal interview. If you haven't heard it, please listen to it. Tim did a fucking great job. He, I want him to be a co-host or a, a guest host on an episode coming up. I talked, I said it on the episode, and I, I, it's true. I definitely want him to be on there. Tim said, you know, there are some episodes that I'm not really into that. And that's fine. That's the whole point of this. I, I, can, I can't tell you how often I get people going, you're doing another episode about ghosts? I want you to do an episode about UFOs. Well, that's not how this works. I'm going to do an episode about ghosts, and then when I want to do an episode about UFOs, I will. Or when I have an episode about a cryptid or witches or whatever, I will do those. When I have them ready to wait to what I want out of the episode. This episode, I'll say, I was going to say it later in the episode, but I'll say it now. This episode was going to be about cryptids. It was going to be a fun fucking episode about cryptids. But this kind of nonsense gets thrown at me more and more and more. When I was doing the live episode recently, I was asked if I was going to ever do an episode about missing 411. And I said no, because that fan base is very toxic. And boy, did they come at me when I even brought up missing 411 a long time ago. So there are some things where I'm just, nope, and I step back. And there are some things where I would love to step back. I said I'd never do a Flat Earth episode, which I'm still not really going to. I'm going to talk about it a little bit at the end of this episode. It's mostly going to be about the moon landing. So if you're not into that, you might not enjoy this episode, but I think you should listen anyway because it's very informative. But there are some episodes where I'm like, nope, I'm going to say I'm going to avoid that. Because avoiding it is just the safer alternative because this, this uh, comment that I got on the Facebook fan, uh, not even the fan page, the regular Facebook page, isn't even as crazy or scary as some of the comments that I get when I talk about religion. Holy shit, do they, do the hardcore religious people come out of the woodwork to threaten me, which is very Christian of them, I might add. So I have to walk a fine line, but every now and then I just have to put my foot down and go, you know what? No, no more. And that's what happened with this one. No more. So what I am going to do is I'm going to go through this one by one. And I'm going to tell you why your unoriginal thoughts are bullshit. First, let's talk about queue clearance. If I had a nickel for every listener whose family member had queue clearance, I would be rich. Fun fact, I am not rich. So let's find out how many people have Q clearance. Well, it must be hundreds of thousands, and they all talk a lot about shit that they shouldn't be talking about, apparently. Well, as of April 2021, the latest figures I could find, only 92,177 people held a Q clearance. That's it. Guess what? That number is lower the farther back you go, hence to 1969. The amount of people that had Q clearance in 1969 that could have quote-unquote faked the moon landing is infinitesimal. Your uncle is bullshit. If you want to, he, if he wants to be on this show and prove to me that he has Q clearance, I'll listen to his shit all day long. But guess what? That ain't going to happen. So what exactly is Q clearance? Well, here it is straight from Wikipedia because why would I ever go delve farther into this bullshit than I need to? Q clearance or Q access authorization is the U.S. Department of Energy's security clearance required to access top secret restricted data, 
or formally restricted data, and national security information as well as secret restricted data. That's it in a nutshell. Yes, people have Q clearance, but it's not the fact that you get Q clearance doesn't mean that you're part of the secret Illuminati government that's controlling the world. There are a lot of people that have Q clearance because of some of the content that they might be involved in has national security level, and that's it. It could have nothing more to do than they have access to an address of a political figure like the president that they shouldn't have access to, that the rest of the public shouldn't have access or knowledge of. And that's it. Now, I do know people whose fathers were in the CIA, which would have been the only three-letter agency that had fuck all to do with a fake moon landing if it was fake. But guess what? It wasn't fake. All NASA employees are actually restricted from talking about rocket technology with the general public at any great depth because of ITAR regulations, short for International Traffic in Arms Regulations. It puts certain space technologies into dual-use category that could potentially be used as weapons. It, in fact, creates a de facto classification system without the normal compartmentalization that comes with it. What that means is, if there was a NASA employee involved with the moon landing back in 1969, they would have had ITAR regulations. Had you said, my uncle had ITAR regulations, I would have been way more impressed because I'm betting your uncle has a QAnon-level bullshit regulation and not a Q-level clearance. And that's why the bullshit that he's spouting is bullshit. But let's continue on. I'm not even starting yet. Because I bet you right now, if you are listening, you've already shut it down. About, well, I know what my uncle said. You, you're, you're dumb. I know what my uncle said. So let's get to the Van Allen belt problem. You mentioned in your little thingy, where is it? Um, ain't no way a person can get through, spelled incorrectly, the Van Allen radiation belt. Okay, let's talk about that. Is the Van Allen belt deadly? Yes, it is. In 1958, Dr. James Van Allen discovered a collection of high-energy particle clouds within 40,000 kilometers of Earth. It's arranged like two donuts, basically. The inner belt is mainly energetic protons. The outer belt is both, both protons and electrons. These belts have been long known as bad news for both satellites and astronauts. Astronauts. Yes, that is correct. But they knew about this. They limited the exposure time that the astronauts would be passing through this belt to get to the moon. They do have to travel through some of those belt regions because of the orbit of the moon, but the speed of the spacecraft will be about 25,000 kilometers an hour. If the spacecraft spacecraft travels along the correct path. This is what would happen. According to radiation dosimeters, dosimeters carried by the Apollo astronauts, their total dosage for the entire trip to the moon and the return was not more than two rads over six days. 
It would take 300 rads in one hour to kill somebody. Again, their total was two rads over six days. Let me tell you it a different way. Astronauts' overall exposure was actually dominated by solar particles once outside Earth's magnetic field. The total radiation received by the astronauts varied from mission to mission. It was measured between 0.16 and 1.14 rads, which is much less than the standard of 5 rems per year for people who work with radioactivity. People who work with radioactivity for a year it was similar to the radiation dosage of a chest x-ray. The Van Allen belt would not have fried them. They were also in an aluminum uh, skinned vehicle because of that. All right, Van Allen belt, wrong. It's very easy to prove that that is wrong. It's very easy to have Googled that and not have included that in your conspiracy-level bullshit that's just regurgitated from a billion other websites. All righty. Next. You said, tricky dick phone call. He made a clear call with no delays. All right. Let's talk about that for a second. How they did it. S-band transponder, transponder, which was designed and built by General Dynamics, was the only communication links between the Apollo 11 astronauts to mission control. Simply, the call went from the Oval Office in Washington, D.C. to Houston, where it was routed into space via mission control through the capsule communicator, or CAPCOM, where astronaut Bruce McKendless listened. And if you actually just had listened to the call rather than repeating back denier nonsense, it is very clear that the astronauts respond to Nixon's speech. There is a very noticeable, de- you know what? There's a very noticeable delay. So let's just fucking listen to it. How about that? Because I bet you a lot of people have never listened to it and didn't know that there's a very noticeable delay. Wayfair's. Oh God, not listening to Wayfair. You do not get a free ad on my podcast. Here we go. Uh, Neil and Buzz, uh, the President of the United States is in his office now and would like to say a few words to you. Over. That's weird. There's a huge delay. That's a six-second delay. Mr. President, this is Houston out. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made. I just can't tell you how it's not very clear. all are of what you For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure they too join with America in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. That's a good line. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, 
all the people on this earth are truly one. One in their pride in what you have done. And one in our prayers that you will return safely to earth. Six seconds delay. Thank you, Mr. President. It's a great honor and privilege for us to be here representing not only the United States, but and of peace of all nations, and with interest and a curiosity, and, and with the vision for the future. Uh, and thank you very much, and I look forward, all of us look forward to seeing you on the Hornet on Thursday. Look forward to that very much, sir. There you go. That is the call from Nixon to Apollo 11. There was at least a six-second delay. And you have to remember, he was actually just calling Houston. Houston was then using that S-band transponder to send it to the moon via the capsule communicator. It's very easy to find. It's very easy to Google. It's very amazing to watch. Even to this day, it's incredible to watch. Great line thrown in there. You know, forget what you think about Nixon, if you have an opinion on Nixon. The amazing feat that happened that he was talking to someone on the moon was absolutely incredible. And that's not the only communication. There was communication between presidents and and, and NASA with people on the moon throughout all of the missions. None of them were crystal clear with no delays. All right, checkmark, Kurt, that's two for two. Bullshit. Next, the entire thing from liftoff to splashdown happened on a soundstage. All right, what you actually said was even dumber than that. You said, uh, in July 1969, the launch up until the dam splashdown on the ocean was carefully recorded off a big silver screen. All right, you can't be this dumb. You do realize that one million people actually watched the Apollo 11 launch in person in Florida. Let me repeat that to you. One million people were literally there watching the rocket go off into space. From liftoff to splashdown was done in front of a large silver screen? No. There are literally millions of photos and 8mm and 16mm and other millimeter footages, movies, that were shot from the regular non-Q-level people, and you can literally find them online. There are people still alive that were there when the rocket launched into space. So you're saying that one million people went to a soundstage, I guess as extras, to film the fake liftoff, and not one of them has ever come forward to say it was bullshit. Also, as I said previously, the BS theory is it was filmed on a soundstage, not in front of a big silver screen. So get your BS right at least. While we're on that, I'm sure you're going to say, well, Stanley Kubrick, he's, he's the one who filmed it, and he actually admitted it. No, he didn't. It's been circulating for years that Stanley Kubrick said that he faked the moon landing. and It was proven false. 
on December 10th, 2015, a website called yournewswire.com published a video purportedly showing Stanley Kubrick confessing to having helped NASA fake the Apollo moon landing bullshit. In the interview, it supposedly says that he confesses to it. Well, it's wrong. There are various edits of this fake interview that are circulating on YouTube. All of them originated with a new film from T. Patrick Murray called Shooting Kubrick. He claimed that he was granted unprecedented access to interview the uh, the director in like 1999, which is impressive because, well, Stanley Kubrick died two months earlier than when he said he did it. And he said he went in May 1999 to interview Stanley Kubrick. Problem was, he'd been dead for two months. Even if you forget about that, like the, the date, it doesn't, it wasn't Stanley Kubrick. They actually have footage of this fake interview and it's not Stanley Kubrick. It's been proven a fake, a hoax. Stanley Kubrick had nothing to do with the moon landing. He never said he did. He was never part of it. But I want to continue on with your whole, the, the whole thing was fake from the liftoff straight down to the splashdown. Okay. The splashdown. Let's talk about that for just a split second. The splashdown, when it happened. Again, there is tons of footage of the splashdown. Not just from Q-level people, but from people that were on the boats, the searcher boats, not even military, on the searcher boats. There's footage from them. Then, the rocket is real. In 2010, Jeff Bezos, who said he watched the moon landings with the wonders of boy, and he wanted to fund a recovery mission. So he did two expeditions, a deep water search and a recovery search, and the teams included a number of people from like Seattle and around the country, around the world, really. Now, they had limited geographic information provided by NASA from where the pieces might have ended up of the rocket engines that actually took it off the, land, the, the liftoff um, site. The F-1 rocket engines. These were used for Apollo 11, Apollo 12, Apollo 16. Get this. They found one of the engines from Apollo 11. The, the remains of the three F-1 engines that they found are now on display at the Museum of Flight in Seattle. They also include an injector plate from Apollo 12 as well. So you can actually go there and see the actual F-1 engines of Apollo 11. It's real. It took off. It went to space. Did you know, well, of course you didn't know, you're a flat earther, but did you know that, like I said earlier, it took 400,000 people to build Apollo 11? Of those 400,000 people, not one of them has ever said it's fake. It didn't happen. The United States spent $25.8 billion on Project Apollo between 1960 and 1973. To put it another way, that's $257 billion when adjusted, when adjusted for inflation to 2020. It required the support of over 20,000 industrial firms and universities, and 
it wasn't just Americans. Canadians working at NASA in Quebec played important roles in the mission. James Chamberlain of British Columbia, in particular, he helped to decide one of the types of spacecraft that would need to, that would put the men on the moon, the lunar orbit itself. Then, Switzerland. One of the first things that Buzz Aldrin did upon emerging from the module was to set up the University of Bern's Solar Wind Collector, Collector Experiments, the SWC, the Solar Wind Collector Experiment. This was the only non-American experiment to be performed on the moon. Astronauts actually brought pieces of the aluminum foil back to Earth with them, and guess what? It was examined by the Physics Institute of the University of Bern, not America. The information gathered from the experiment taught scientists more about our solar system, but also about the Big Bang. Oh, what's that? Proof already, Kurt? Oh, don't you worry, Kurt. That's the tip of the iceberg. Australia. Transmissions that enabled the entire world to witness the Apollo 11 moon landing goes to Australia. Honeysuckle Creek, to be exact. That site was originally a backup to another site, but a fire there shortly before the mission caused NASA to lose confidence in the original site. It went to Honeysuckle Creek. They received and relayed the first footage of man setting foot on the moon. And get this. They didn't get that signal from Earth. They didn't get that signal from a soundstage or a big silver screen. No, they got that signal from space. Where in space? Well, the moon to be exact. Okay, since your regurgitated BS dumbasses thinks you can outsmart science, well, let's debunk them one by one. The first one that a lot of people go to is the flag, the flag that was put on the moon. Oh my God, how can it wave in a vacuum or even stand up? Damn you, Stanley Kubrick, you did it wrong. No. They knew a regular flag would just lie there, kind of like a flag on a windless day here on the very round earth. So, knowing this, engineers fitted the pole with a crossbeam on which to hang the flag. And it sort of not really looks like it's waving. Well, that's because Buzz Aldrin was twisting the pole, screwing it into the lunar soil. Flag, done. Bullshit. What about the shadows, people? Look at the shadows. A lot of people say that there's multiple shadows and it's proof that it was filmed on a soundstage. Well, there is only one source of light on the moon, the sun. Yet the shadows show the astronauts fall every which way. Ooh, it's busted. Okay, if it was a soundstage, guess what? The lighting guys would have made sure there was only one light source to make it look all pretty. But for you, Brett, sorry. Science again busts this one. Because guess what? There are multiple sources of light during a landing. Huh? What? How? Why? Shh, I'll tell you. It comes from the sun. It comes from the Earth. You know that big round thing in the sky that's actually reflecting light onto the moon? It comes from the lander. That's right. The lander itself was reflecting sunlight because if you looked at the, what the, the lander looked like, it's a giant jiffy pop popcorn looking motherfucker of a thing and it's reflecting light. It also came from the astronaut space suits. That's right. Here, here's a little thing for you. Here's a fun little experiment for you. If you take tinfoil or one of those like silver sun visors from your car and you go out on a sunny day 
and you start reflecting them, guess what? They reflect light. In fact, photographers use silver reflectors all the time called bounces in photos and on film to get different light sources. It's real. The reason there are different light sources is because the light is reflecting off of different things, just like it does on Earth. Right now, as I'm doing this episode, I am being blinded through my window by my car. But wait a second. My car is a dark color. It doesn't reflect light. Oh, it's bouncing from the sunlight to my car, from my car, through my window, into my eyes right now. That's how light works. Boom, check mark. Science is real. All right, what about the blast circle, Kurt? Yeah. Another argument is the blast circle from the from the lunar lander going back up into the in, you know, into the atmosphere, back to Earth basically, is wrong if you look at it. Well, they say if NASA had actually landed a craft on the moon, it would have left an impression and markings where the jet fire happened during takeoff. But as you can see in NASA's own photos, there is a minimal blast mark. Um, well, it did leave a blast mark. If we skip ahead and talk about the multiple satellite photos of the moon landings that have been taken in the last decades, you'll see them. But I want to stay here for a moment. That's right. There's more proof coming at you later on. The moon has about one-fifth the gravity of Earth. The landing was therefore soft. The lander drifted down like a leaf. There wasn't much propulsion needed to send the lander back into orbit. You know what they called it? A dust-up. In fact, I love the way one scientific paper described it. Oh, 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 what's that? Am I using critical thinking in this episode? Yes, I am. One scientific paper described it like this. If you kick off from the bottom of a dirty pool or a clear lake... You will see a little dust up, but no blast off because of this soft propulsion needed to leave the surface, just like the lunar surface. So why don't you do that? Why don't you go jump up and down in a clear lake for a while and you're going to see it. What about the footprint doesn't match the bottom of the boot? Yes, it does. Google it. Stop with your nonsense. I'm not even going into that because it's so dumb. What about the rock with the sea on it? That's right. Alrighty, so the uh, <laughs> the micro SD card actually ran out of uh, room, so that I was recording it on. So I don't know where it ended. So I'm gonna go back up a little bit to uh, let's try the blast off. No, I think I think I I think it did that. I'm just gonna go back to the footprint. Footprint doesn't match on the bottom of the boot. Yes, it does. Google it. I'm not gonna waste my time on it. What about the rock with the C on it? That's right, conspiracy theorists love to point out what looks like a C written on one of the moon rocks, as if it came straight off from like a set, a a movie set from a special effects department. All right, let's break that one down for a minute. I live in California, and guess what? I have been on thousands of TV and movie sets. That's not even an exaggeration. I've done it. I've done it for years. I was an extra in everything in the 90s, For years. And you know what they don't put on fake rocks? They don't put letters on fake rocks that are needed for scenes. Letters. There is no need for a letter on a fake rock. Why? 
because they're trying to make it look like an actual rock. And actual rocks don't have letters on them. Once a fake rock is put on set, that is called a hot set. It is called set dressing. They know where they go. They don't want big letters on fake rocks because it makes them look fucking fake. The C is actually an impression from a number of copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of of the lunar surface. And guess what? They actually found the original of that photo. And you know what wasn't on there? The giant fucking C wasn't on there. It could have been a hair when they were doing making a copy. It could have been a shadow. It could have been a lot of things. But the original doesn't have a giant C on the rock. You can see the original NASA photos. Oh, what did you call it? I'm sorry. Doctored NASA photos? Well, sorry, but the originals aren't doctored. But boy, howdy, do nutjob dickholes like to doctor them to prove their BS, even though the originals still exist and you can still see them. Where? Well, guess what? NASA put up over 8,000 photos of the Apollo missions that you can see in high res, as high as they could get, definition online. You can go through all the original photos and you won't find C's on the rocks. Okay, why can't we see stars in the photos, Kurt? Well, this one is wrong. There were many photos of stars in the later missions, but what you're referring to is the Apollo 11 photos of the astronauts on the surface of the moon. And there are no stars. Well, you know why? Because the cameras they were using were for low light so that the moon's surface could be seen clearly. They weren't trying to take pictures of the fucking stars in the background. They were there for, you know, the moon. Also, they were taking photos during a lunar morning. And guess what? Just like morning wherever you are right now, If you look up at the sky, you know what you don't see? The answer is stars. You won't see stars. But the later ones had, I can't remember if it's IR or UV. I think it's UV photographs of stars as they're seen from the moon. Guess what? Independently, they were proven accurate by other countries of Earth. What's that? More proof that the lunar landings happened? That's right. Ah, okay, well, what about this one then? If Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon, then who was filming him as he was going down the ladder, huh? Answer that one, science. This one is pretty simple as well. The answer was Bigfoot. That's right, Bigfoot filmed them walking down the lander. Now, it was a big deal that the Q-level clearance people made. We will keep Bigfoot a secret, but in return... He must film the astronauts walking down the ladder. Now, what they didn't tell Bigfoot was was, it was a one-way trip. Some say you can still see Bigfoot walking on the moon on a clear night if you have the latest iPhone and the camera settings are just right. Oh, wait, sorry, I misread that. The actual answer is there's a camera that was mounted on the side of the lunar module. Ah, crap, that answer is not as much fun. Yep, that's right. They have a camera mounted on the side of the lunar module because they wanted that shot. Yeah, it's very simple. There's not all these outlandish conspiracies that need to happen. They had a plan to go to the moon. They wanted footage from the moon. One of the things that they wanted 
was man going on the moon. All right. Okay. But all of that is from NASA. And we all know that they hired Hollywood to make a movie set that looks light years better than most of the shit that was coming out of Hollywood at the time. So there is zero evidence that any other country in the world had that the moon landings happened, right? Uh, no. Straight up, no. Let's start with our enemies at the time, the Soviet Union. You know, the people that we were against in the space race? The ones we were trying to beat to the moon? Well, the Soviet Union monitored the missions at their Space Transmissions Corps, which was, quote, fully equipped with the latest intelligence gathering and surveillance equipments. Vasily Mishin, in an interview for the article The Moon Program That Faltered, described how the Soviet moon program dwindled after the Apollo landing because they could monitor every step of the moon landing. But, Kurt, weren't they the enemy? Yup. The Soviet Union even knows that moon landings are real. The missions were also tracked by radar from several countries on the way to the moon and back. Ooh, strike, I don't know, 19? Then there's these, and I love this next one. A group at Kettering Grammar School used simple radio equipment and monitored Soviet and U.S. spacecrafts and calculated their orbits. School kids. According to the group, in December of 1972, a member picks up Apollo 17 on its way to the moon. That's right. Even school kids monitored moon landings. Children. Then, let's go to Apollo 8. Apollo 8 was the first crewed mission to orbit the moon, but did not land. December 21st, 1968, amateur astronomers H.R. Hatfield, M.J. Hendry, F. Kent, Alan Heath, and M.J. Oates in the U.K. photographed a fuel dump from the jettisoned SIVB third rocket stage. UK from Earth could see it. Pic de Midi Observatory in the French Pyrenees, the Catalina Station of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory of University of Arizona, the Coralitos Observatory in New Mexico, the University of Texas, and the Lick Observatory of the University of California all filed reports of observations of Apollo 8 on the way to the moon. Dr. M. Mutsulu at Peak Dumidi Observatory reported an initial sighting around 1710 UT on December 21st with the 1.1 meter reflector as an object. Moving eastward, the predicted location, Apollo 8. Justice Dunlap and others at Coralitos Observatory obtained over 400 short exposure intense, intensified images giving very accurate locations of Apollo 8. I can keep going, man. Like, I'm not. I'm going to move on to Apollo 10. There's many more for Apollo 8 alone. Apollo 10. A list of sightings of Apollo 10 were reported in Apollo 10 optical tracking by Sky and Telescope magazine themselves. During the Apollo 10 mission, the Coralitos Observatory was linked with CBS News Networks. An image of the spacecraft going going to the moon were broadcast live. Apollo 11. 
The Bochum Observatory director, Professor Heinz Kaminsky, was able to provide com confirmation of events and data independent of both Russia and U.S. space agencies. Oh, Jordel, uh, Jodrell Bank Observatory in the U.K. observed the mission as it was used previously for Sputnik. Larry Basinger, or Basinger, a technician for WHAS Radio in Louisville, Kentucky, independently detected and recorded transmissions between Apollo 11 astronauts on the lunar surface and the lunar modules. Recordings made by Basinger share certain characteristics with the recordings made at the Bochum Observatories by Kraminsky, both from the moon. The Arcetri Observatory near Florence, Italy, also detected transmissions coming from the moon using a 10-meter dish. Let's keep going. Apollo 12. Paul Maley, or Maley reported several sightings of the Apollo 12 command module. Sky and Telescope magazine published reports of the optical sightings of this mission. Telescopes, might I add, that were pointed towards the sky and not pointed at a soundstage. Apollo 13. You know that one. You saw the movie. Chabot Observatory records an, an application of optical tracking during the final phases of Apollo 13 on April 17, 1970. Boom, moving on. Apollo 14. Coralitos Observatory photographed Apollo 14. Apollo 15. Paul Wilson and Richard T. Nadel Jr. received voice transmissions from the command service module in lunar orbit on the morning of August 1, 1971. Proof. Apollo 16. Jewett Observatory at Washington University, State University reported sightings of Apollo 16. Two different radio amateurs, W4HHK and K2RIW, both reported reception of Apollo 16 signals with home-built equipment independently. Apollo 17. Sven Gran of the Swedish space program described several amateur sightings of Apollo 17. Not from America, I might add. Finally, Apollo 18. No, it's not a mission to the moon. It's just a great album by They Might Be Giants. There's your Paranormal Almanac bingo card entry for TMBG for all you keeping track. Oh, my God, I'm getting winded. Let's keep going. Why? Because fucking dumb people. Science rules, everybody. 842 pounds of moon rocks and dust were collected during Apollo's 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17. 842 pounds. You can see them in a lot of museums around the world. Now, my favorite one. Retro reflectors. This is a big one. The detection of Earth of reflections from laser-ranging retro reflectors on the lunar surface. If you are clinging to any, there is no proof. This is proof. Independently, around the world, people have been using LRRRs, that's the retroreflectors, and lasers pointed at them bounce back to Earth, proving that man has been to the moon. There's actually photos of the retroreflectors left on the moon by Apollo 14 and Apollo 11. How, how many people have done them? Well... Around the world. The USSR did it. They said, we can detect the retroreflectors. Variety of countries, including India, from around the world, have used these retroreflectors. 
There is scientific equipment that we installed on the moon that can still be used to this day. There is also lunar seismometers installed by Apollo 11, 12, 14, 15, and 16. The most advanced ones from transmitting bat data back to Earth until 1977. Guess what? Countries from all around the world were getting that data. All righty. The Soviet Lunokud 2 used the retro reflector array that was left on the moon by Apollo 11, 14, and 15. Again, they were our enemies. Why would they use stuff that isn't real? Oh, wait, it's real. Knock it off, fuckwads. There's that SWC experiment I talked about, the solar wind. There's the LSM experiment to measure lunar magnetic fields, the LDD to measure how lunar dust would settle on on and pollute solar panels. All of that stuff is still on the moon. I'm going to keep on going. Radio telescopic observations. In October through November of 1977, the Soviet radio telescope, R-A-T-A-N 600, Rattan 600, observed all five transmitters of ALSEP scientific packages that were placed on the moon's surface by all Apollo landing missions and reported on it independently. How about ground-based telescopes? In 2002, astronomers tested the optics of the very large telescope by imaging the Apollo landing sites. The telescope was used to image the moon and provided a resolution of 130 meters, which was not good enough to resolve the lunar landers, but it could see their shadows. That's right. We can see the shadows of the lunar landers back in 2002. That's 20 years ago here on Earth. Now, in case you're wondering why you can't see it with your own telescope or your naked eye or your iPhone, it's because the left-behind descent stages are about the size of a small truck. Even Hubble has difficulty because it moves across the sky faster than Hubble can track it, and it's very dim in ultraviolet light. Let's keep going. All right, is there any Apollo missions tracked by non-NASA personnel? Well, I've already showed you a bunch, but I'll keep on going. The NASA Manned Spaceflight Network, which is a worldwide network of stations that tracked both the Mercury, the Gemini, the Apollo, and the Skylab missions independent of America. Independent of America. There was nothing in it for them. There is no Q-level clearance in it for them to say it was faked. Apollo 11, the Madrid Apollo station built in uh, Fresnadilla near Madrid, Spain, tracked Apollo 11. Apollo 12, parts of Surveyor 3, which landed on the moon in April of 1967, were brought back to Earth by Apollo 12 in November of 1969. These samples were shown to be exposed to lunar conditions. What's that? It was left on the moon and brought back? That's right. Then, in 2011... Let's read something straight from 2011. New Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter photos show Apollo sites in the sharpest detail yet. That's right. 2011 photos came back, which showed 
all the landing sites. It showed everything from Apollo 12, Apollo 14, Apollo 17, all of them. You can see these photos. They aren't doctored. Well, you must be done by now then, right, Kurt? (laughs) No. Celine photographs. 2008, the Japan Aerospace Aerospace Exploration Agency, JAXA, Celine Lunar Probe, obtained several photographs showing evidence of moon landings. 2008, from Japan, nothing to do with us. Then, the Chandrian-1. I know I said that wrong, and I don't care. It's from India. This probe could see evidence of of the disturbed soil around the Apollo 15 site. Even though it wasn't even high high resolution enough to find everything, it could still see it. The Chandrian 2, I know I said it wrong, I don't care. In April of 2021, the two orbiter captured an image of the Apollo 11 module eagle descent stage. Apollo 11. In 2021, they could see it. Then, there's the Chang'e 2, which is China's second lunar, ro- uh, uh, lunar probe. The Chang'e 2 was launched in 2010, and guess what it spotted? Yep, the Apollo landings and the lunar rover from China. Whew! Good thing there isn't one scientific piece of evidence. There's thousands of pieces of independent scientific evidence from back then up until now. It's ridiculous. Regurgitated bullshit that children at the time were able to debunk, yet you can't. How do you find your way home from work, Brett? Seriously. Oh, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not even done with this dumb episode. An episode, again, that was going to be about cryptids, a fun episode, but no, now i got to explain basic science to someone that can't even Google correctly. So let's move on past Apollo for a minute, the moon landings for a minute, to flat Earth. This angers me that I even have to talk about it. How high up do you have to go to see the curvature of the Earth? Well, visual daytime observations show that the minimum altitude at which curvature of the horizon can be detected at or is slightly below 35,000 feet, providing that the field of view is wide, 60 degrees wide, and nearly cloud-free. Now, you could Google this yourself and save me the time, but, you know, I have a microphone and you're in your mom's basement, so I'm going to keep going. (sighs) For fuck's sake, how do you prove the Earth is round? Well, let's just Google that. What's that? This website says there's seven ways to prove the Earth is round? Well, what could they possibly be? Watch a ship sail off to sea. Watch a lunar eclipse. You can see the Earth right across the moon. Climb a tree. That's right. Climb a fucking tree. Travel through or even within different time zones. Watch a sunset. Measure shadows across the country. Google International Space Station Photos. That's it. I'm not going any deeper into those, so let me go to a different website. Here's 10 ways you can tell the Earth is not flat. What are these? Well, let's see. The moon. That's right. You can see the phases of the moon or a lunar eclipse. Ships in the horizon, yet again. Varying star constellations. That's right. Depending where you are on the Earth, you're going to see different stars. 
<sighs> shadows and sticks. Got yourself a fucking stick? Go look at the fucking shadows. Um, seeing farther from higher up. Ooh, that seems scary. Ride a plane. Look at other planets. The existence of time zones. The pull of gravity. Images from space. All righty. Do I keep going on? Okay. How about this? Buy a fucking ticket. You do realize there are two ways to get to the upper orbit to see the curvature, right? Why don't one of you dumbass flat earthers buy a fucking ticket when you're proven wrong, you have to go and tell the others, and then all you dumbass flat earthers have to go live someplace far away from the rest of us with no internet access. That's right. You're cut off from the internet and cell phones. No more. You go live your lives like that fucking dumb M. Night Shyamalan Village movie, but you also can't breed because we don't want any more of your shallow gene pools. Dude, you think I was calling you out before when I didn't even know you existed? Now I'm really calling you out. So instead of getting a nice Thanksgiving fun episode to listen to while your uncle rages on about guns or fake news or whatever else nonsense you all have up your asses, you get this angry Kurt. Well, yes, I am angry, but I just spent an hour showing facts and science that debunks your nonsense. So how about this? A triumphant, victorious, if you don't like what I said on this episode, it's because you can't prove the opposite of it, Kurt. That's what you're getting right now. It's ridiculous that I even had to do this episode. It's 2022. Wake the fuck up, people. I win, you lose, Columbus didn't discover America, COVID-19 is real, chemtrails aren't real, 9-11 happened, chemicals in the water aren't turning people gay, snow is real, stop microwaving it, and whatever else QAnon tells you, okay? How about this? If you believe QAnon, then how come none of what they say has ever come true? Ever. Look, you've ruined conspiracy theories for me. I used to love them. They were fun and interesting, and now they're all dumb and fake, political, and not entertaining at all. It's just stop being bad is what I'm saying. So, yeah, on this Thanksgiving, you get a rant from me. Because of all the idiots, not just this one, but all the idiots that's tried to... Oh, you just don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you just you just uh, reading off a different website. You're not even writing your own stuff. Bullshit. Again, I just spent an hour showing scientific proof from the minute that these rockets took off in 1969 all the way through the decades up until today that you can see that prove that we went to the moon. And yet it won't change you dumb fucks. You're still going to go, eh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I, I, fake news, I, I don't know, it's not real, uh, I, I don't know. Even when shown proof, you're too dumb to go, oh shit, you know what, my bad, I was wrong, you were right, I don't know what the hell my uncle was talking about back in the day with his Q clearance nonsense, we went to the moon. The facts are right there. You don't have to go down the stupid rabbit holes you're going down. You can actually go and look at the facts. And you will find the proof that is right fucking there. For everybody else that doesn't uh, believe in this stupidity, I hope that you enjoyed some part of this episode. Or I hope you learned something. Because there's a lot of stuff in there that, that I didn't know. That I did have to, oh, I don't know, use critical thinking and research like that, like, like the school kids that could actually monitor it as it happened. 
That's incredible. Kettering Grammar School, well done to you. Using simple radio equipment, they monitored not only U.S. spacecrafts, but monitored Soviet spacecrafts at the time and picked up Apollo 17 on its way to the moon in 1972. Good on you, Kettering Grammar School. I hope you guys learned something from this. I don't expect anybody who thinks it's bullshit to have change of heart, but if you did, cool, let me know. If you didn't, just just stop, okay? There is no reason. It's a free podcast. I'm not charging you for listening to this. If you don't like an episode, you know what you got to do? You go, eh, I didn't like that episode. And then that's it. You don't have to let me know you didn't like the episode. I'm out here putting out entertainment every week. And I've done so for, what, five years or more? Whatever the hell it's been, over 200 episodes. I, I hope you like it. The ones that you like, I hope you really like them and you share them with your friends. The ones you don't like, okay, I'm sorry. Maybe the next one will be more to your liking. That's the best I can do for you. But ultimately, just stop it, okay? Just, just don't. Why would you feel the need, this free entertainment that you're getting, to slam it or give it a negative review or waste your time on it? You know what I do when I don't like something? I go, no, nah, I don't like that. And then I just don't watch it anymore. My friends like it. Cool. Good on them. I'm glad they like it. It's not for me. That's the end of it. Oh, boy, I am exhausted. Hold on, I got to take another drink. Very Lewis Black worked up on this one. And it's, not, again, it's not just for the one guy. Look, that fake Brett Jackman name, whatever your name was. Look, dude, I got nothing hard. I got no hard ill will against you. Um, so don't come at me. Definitely don't shoot me. And if you do shoot me, all you're going to do is prove the afterlife to me, and I'll be a ghost. And then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go look at the earth from up in heaven, and it's going to be very round in the sky, and I'm going to go to the fucking moon. So, fuck you. All right. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samig, and this has been another kind of rant-filled edition of Paranormal Almanac. See you next week with less bullshit. We went to the fucking moon. <laughs>